everybody, and welcome to the Arizona Field Podcast. This is episode number 15. We are sitting down with Brad Brooks. If you don't know who Brad is, he works for Orgali Outdoors. Orgali is a content creator slash gear website. Uh, they make everything from uh, awesome YouTube videos and movies, um, put out a lot of great content in forms of articles, uh, as well as actual you know, in-your-hand products. They've got a new belt that's coming out. Uh, knives and that kind of stuff. Um, this is definitely not an infomercial for Argali. I'm not getting sponsored by them in any way. Um, just had a, just sat down, had a great conversation with Brad about um, kind of his experience with hunting in Arizona. Uh, it was this is going to be kind of a shorter episode. Um, he had to run out quick for a meeting, but we still had what I think is a pretty cool conversation. Um, just a good one to sit back, crack a beer, and have a good uh, conversation listening to but uh yeah folks that's what i got for you so if you don't mind sit back relax enjoy the show well hey everybody uh welcome back to this episode of the arizona field podcast i'm sitting down with brad brooks brad works for uh works for or owns argali uh is that a question yeah i just i just realized <laughs> your I, I work I, you know, it's a little bit of both, but I think I can't tell if I'm in charge or, or working for other folks. Depends <laughs> on the day. Right. Depends on the day. Um, but yeah, I'm sitting down with Brad Brooks. Uh, Brad, can't thank you enough for coming on to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. All right. So like I said, um, Brad, you work for Orgali. Uh, do you mind giving us, you know, in, with that and a little bit extra, um, a little bit of a self intro for you and maybe how you wound up where you are now? Yeah, you bet, man. Uh, so I live in Boise, Idaho. Um, uh, not to be confused with Iowa. It's uh, one of the things you realize when you live in a state like Idaho is nobody, well, not nobody, most people don't know where it's at on a map and they oftentimes confuse you with Iowa, um, which doesn't actually bother me at all. <laughs> it's kind of nice to be from a state that nobody really knows where it's at. Um but I, so let's see, I started, my business partner, Jason and I, we started Argali in 2015 and Argali was, we were originally just a, a content company. Um, so we, we started out with a focus on making uh, content that was largely about telling the story of wild country and wild places. And at some point along the lines, it morphed into what I would call an actual business um, there was no intent really at the beginning to have a, a business. It was, we just, we just had some stories we wanted to tell and that's kind of how we got started. And, you know, we, at some point along, along the way, we sort of gained a, a reputation as being um, sort of a lightweight backcountry uh, crowd. And I think in large part, because that's largely what we do. And we were getting, you know, I was getting a lot of questions about gear, what we use, why we use it. And at some point, just realized that one of the things that um, that we we do that may be of value to others is um, think about gear a lot. And in particular, because we're just out in the field quite a bit, and that led to thinking about how we can create you know products specifically for folks that are getting out a lot in the field. That uh, and that parlayed into what is now our golly. We still, so we still, we make gear, make manufacture gear. Um, right now we have 
um, a, a line of sort of lightweight high-end knives. We make um, lightweight game bags, and we just launched our uh, new product uh, this week, actually, which is a, a belt and a buckle that is also a knife sharpener. Um, and uh, we have a bunch more stuff sort of in the works. But yeah, and we still do a lot of content. We still work with a number of brands in the industry, um, trying to tell stories that are important to us. Um, so yeah, we're kind of in this space where we're, we're a content company and a beer company. Right. You kind of, uh, like you said, you kind of started out because you guys are kind of a, we say content, but I'm kind of thinking like more like kind of bloggy kind of a lot of like text, text-based content or doing more like videos or how'd you guys start out? Yeah. Film, film, film was all we did when we started. We okay. made a film called Chasing Rich Lines. It was the first thing we ever did. And that was about my older brother, Curtis and I, and our relationship with each other and are also kind of our, um, our passion for mule deer hunting. And, uh, that was the first thing we ever did. There was no, and then, uh, after we made, we made another film after that and another film after that. And it was honestly that, you know, all I was trying to do at that point, and all we, Jason and I were trying to do at that point in time was tell stories about places. Yeah. And literally that was all we wanted to do. And it, it was spurred on by, you know, the fact that I wasn't at the time, I mean, 2015 was not that long ago, but right. in, only six in years ago. My media, it was a, it was a millennia ago. You know, at the time, there were you know hunting TV was still a thing. If you yeah. wanted to watch hunting media, um, you know Hush was around. Um, there were a handful of the content creators that you see today. But in large part, people were consuming hunting media on television on the Sportsman's Channel, and which which today is kind of crazy because that's not the way people consume media. But at the time, you know, Jason and I were talking about how I just really couldn't relate to most of what was on traditional hunting media. You know, Meteor was the only show really, and, and Newberg show that I liked. Right. Um, and I'm not trying to be critical of other folks. It's just like, it just wasn't relatable to me and what I, what I knew. And for me, um, one of the things that I sort of put off by about a lot of the hunting media is it just... Number one, it just seemed like one long advertisement. (laughs) And two, it was all about the kill shot from five different angles, slow-mo, you know, and it just wasn't. And and to me, like, yes, you know, I love, who doesn't love a good kill shot, right? Who doesn't love a good money shot? But that wasn't what drew me to the things, like the quality stories. It was, I had always been connected to hunting to places and I know I knew at the time, and I still know. It's like if you, if I were to ask you, Jess, like, what's your, you know, do you give me your top two hunting places? Like, you probably have very specific places. That you're like, man, I just love hunting that mountain, that valley, that whatever. Yep. There's a place that speaks to you, and every hunter has that. I don't care where you're at in the world. Um, you might have multiple of those places. And I wanted, we wanted to tell stories that where that connection was front and foremost not the the hunting porn piece of it um so that was really um what drew us to make the content and that's really all we wanted to do was tell stories about places that was not about me and it wasn't about you know whether or not i killed a giant animal or not i didn't care about that still don't care about it (laughs) (laughs) i mean i do like killing big stuff and i've been fortunate enough to kill some big stuff but like i don't want our content to be dependent upon us 
shooting something big. I wanted people to be drawn into the story that was about, because hunting is about so much more than that. I know we all know that, right. but so much of the content is not about that. Um, right. So in, that's, in a, in a, that's in a really lot of ways, I think yeah. that that content has kind of driven the culture of hunting. I know a lot of my, a lot of folks I know seem to be kind of horn driven, you know, and, and I think if we get that that content shifting towards what you're talking about, there's been kind of a shift in the overall hunting culture as well, the way folks are talking about it, which yeah. I've really enjoyed. Yeah, and, there, and and just to be clear, like I, 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 you know, I am at times full on a trophy hunter. Like I get it, I do it. Um, but I think that we should there's there's a place for uh, uh, content that isn't just about that, right. and that is literally all that hunting content has been focused on, I think in large part in the past. Now with YouTube, I mean, we've seen a sort of a revolution in the way people, the platform and sort of the leveling of the playing field for people when it comes to being able to provide content. And YouTube is the wild west and, you know, both good and bad right. in terms of, of content. Um, so, so yeah, anyways, think a lot is, a lot has changed in the content world. And I find it very like fascinating to be, you know, part of a small part of that. And, um, you know, I think the most satisfying thing for me is some of the places that we have done films on, um, you know, there are people that, that have never heard of those places. We did, um, maybe this is a good transition at some point, but we did a series on the sky islands of Arizona. Yeah. Beat um, me to it. Yeah. We had a whole series that was focused on called the last wild places. And it was focused on telling the story of sort of the last like, truly wild places left in America where you could have a hunting experience that sort of was akin to what some of the, the you know, natives or early explorers would have had. Um, and there, if you think about it, it's this it's kind of a mind trip when you think about the fact that. As societies, you know, as our cities grow, as our populations grow, the amount of places that you can disappear in is dwindling at a fast rate that will not be reversed in our lifetimes. Our kids and our kids, kids are going to have fewer places where they can get lost. In. At some point what's left, right. you know, it's an interesting thought, right. And kind of, you know, to me kind of, a, you know, in some ways uh, uh, there's a depressing element to it because I'm someone who likes to get lost in wild country. And I think everybody should do it at some point in their lives, experience that. Um, and to me, it's a little, it's, it's a little, you know, depressing to think about what future generations are going to have and what, what are they, you know, are they going to be able to go on a wilderness hunt trip anywhere? What is that going to look like? Is it only going to be Alaska that's going to have those places? I mean, there's this constant pressure to like, you know, build roads, expand cities, like all those things. And they happen for good reason, but I think there's a consequence for those. Yeah, for sure. There definitely is a consequence. And I know, I mean, for being a, a, an Easterner, that was something I've heard of a lot in, in my days is, you know, a lot of guys, places where guys, were, it's not a lot of wilderness back east where I was from, but, you know, the, a lot of places that guys were hunting were turning into housing developments. Um, yeah. Or an old farm was gone or old fields were gone. We used to hunt rabbits. And the same thing's happening here in Arizona. Uh, even here in the valley, I mean, places, you know, because our state land isn't, public land um i know a large chunk just got sold off in the far east valley at the base of superstition mountain uh and the guys were already talking about oh yeah i used to dove hunt there i used to hunt rabbit or hunt quail and um that's off limits now it's and it's just 
like you said, it's kind of everything's dwindling and, you know, roads are being built. And um, I know that's one of my interesting things in Arizona is how many roads we have. Like you get up in the rim country or up uh, heading up towards the canyon. Like it's, you're kind of, it's almost like Eastern hunting. Like you wind up hunting these smaller gridiron kind of blocks kind of setups. So yeah. yeah, those 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 areas are definitely dwindling, like you said. Yeah. Anyways, I, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but like I, that's that kind of gives you a sense of like the sort of where we come from and our roots is right. that like we, I just genuinely believe that there's something that is very special for the hunting experience that is connected to wild country, and we wanted to see if we could help you know make you know express you know tell some stories that sort of like drove that home from a hunting standpoint um like why is it why is it those places are valuable and uh, we still do that you know it's still really important to our mission and we yeah. uh we, we still try and and i have you know, we've done it to date and i have a bunch more we have a bunch of content in the works um planned out this year that's kind of talking about that some more and um you know even as we do more in the gear manufacturing space and we become more of a gear company that will always be a part of what we do and, and sort of integral to our mission as a company. And, you know, and we, we also have the ability now to, um, we give 1% of our profits to conservation organizations, especially hunting conservation organizations that are focused on, um, stewardship, uh, providing access and, uh, conservation of wild country. And that's one of the, the, the greatest things about, what we, for me anyway, one of the most fulfilling things is we have the ability now to give back to that community. And um, so, anyways, it's it's a big part of why we started. It's a part of why we still exist today, and will it will be important down in the future. No, that's pretty cool. I wasn't aware of the one percent giving back. That's that that surprised me, and I've, I've, it's a very happy surprise. Put it that way. Um, yeah. But it's got me kind of wondering too. So. Since you guys love these wild places, I mean, we all love the wild places. Is that what drove? Because I just, I just love the name Argali. Um, yeah. Is that what drove that name forward? Just because of. Uh, so do you want to tell folks what Argali is? Like yeah. where, where the name came from? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I wish there was like a romantic story to tell you, but it, I think <laughs> you might be disappointed here, Jess. It Argali is a species of sheep um, that exists in. Uh, a lot of places in, in Asia, so like Tajikistan, um, I think there's some in Pakistan. They are a, um, a high mountain species that is uh, also, you know, very expensive to hunt. So it is a bougie species to hunt. I've never hunted them. Don't know if I'll ever be able to. Right. But uh, it's a cool, they're a cool ass animal and they live in some amazing places. And, um, I, you know, honestly, I just like the symbolism of sheep. I think there is something ingrained in the minds of people uh, about the, the the visual of a sheep, and I, I would argue that it probably goes back. There's something about our evolution as a as a species um, and hunting sheep for you know who knows how long. Um, so there's something about the the, spe- the the symbolism of a sheep's uh, sheep's head, sheep's skull, which you see in our logo. And then, you know, frankly, I just like the name Argali. Um, and so it was it was just a simple, simple story. No, um, that, and yeah. you say it's not romanticized, but to me, like, that's how I'm kind of thinking of it is it's maybe not romanticized, but there is that 
badass symbolism behind it just because it's one of those, like you said, I never heard that term before, bougie. Um, or you say boutique? <laughs> bougie. Okay. That's you, never heard, you never heard the term bougie? I don't think I'd ever heard that phrase before. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's like a... Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's like it's like bougie, like bourgeois comes from. It's like short for bourgeois. It's kind of like it's a, okay. it's a rich man. Rich well, man. I mean, it is that, but I just whenever I picture you know cause these sheep, because just to make it look like you mentioned these sheep, but this also includes. Um, I, I looked them up quick. Um, there's nine subspecies under this Ovis Simon, uh header in Argali. Is there's yeah. actually nine. Yeah, there's nine subspecies, but that includes the Marco Polo, and I know. Everybody I know of has heard of the Marco Polo sheep, and and yeah. not just you know it's expensive hunt, but it's one of those far off kind of dream hunts for everybody. An aspirational, yeah, it's an aspirational very hunt. yeah. Cause, I yeah, mean, even for sure. Rex, I mean, I mean, stone sheep are the first on my list that I want to get. Um, I, I don't, yep. not that I'll probably ever hunt any of the four here in North America, but like, but Argali, that's one of those far offs that just makes you think of the high mountains and and. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty badass symbolism. Um, yeah, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Anyways, it's uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I I, I really uh, I, I like our. Uh, it is is an aspirational hunt. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> I really try and um, I'm aware that you know most most people that hunt are DIY guys, and um, even you know, and I, I really believe that hunting should be accessible and be an everyman's you know, sport or activity. And, uh, I think that's really important to the future of hunting as well is the fact that, you know, people have access to place to go and they, they, they can't afford to do it. Yep. Um, you know, even as a company that, you know, we make expensive gear, um, because we're, um, you know, I, I think about it a lot in terms of like, even though we're making expensive products, um, that are not competitive with like lower end of the gear spectrum, and that's largely because, you know, I, I, as somebody who really wants the best gear, I try and make what I consider to be, you know, the best gear we can possibly make. The, the reality is it costs more money um, and it might not be approachable for, for everybody. But anyways, I, I just mentioned that as like a, um, not as a, a, a dig on anybody that, that has hunted uh, Marco Polo sheep, but it's an aspirational hunt and it's not something that everybody is likely to do. So I think, I mean, you're looking at like seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars from Marco Polo. Well, I was going to say, I think anybody listening to pod, this podcast, the vast majority of them probably are not going to hunt Argali's. Just, yeah. just playing so well. I'll never hunt Argali's. Oh, um, <laughs> hey, you never know, man. You might, uh, <laughs> might have a rich uncle you didn't know about, a rich aunt, or you know, strike the lottery. Never know, right? You never know. Um, which actually, that's New York's lotteries. You never know. But uh, so, just bringing it back to Arizona, so. Uh, you were saying you guys you've you've done these lost lands or uh, last. I'm sorry. What was the, the header? Last, last wild places. Last wild places. You did the last wild places on our Sky Islands. Um, actually, if I remember right, uh, it was with one of our previous guests, um, yeah, Josh. Sure. Yep. Up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. The dialed in hunter. Um, have you were you coming down to Arizona prior to that film series? Was that your first time down here? Or? I've, uh, so, uh, one of my other passions in life is rock climbing. And so I've been out of Arizona a number of times climbing, um, all over, kind of all over the state, but that was the first time I'd ever been down there hunting, um, was when we filmed that series. Um, 
And that was just, I've only been, I've only bow hunted, uh, I've only hunted there, which is both those trips have been bow hunting for, for Coos year. Okay. Um, that's been the last, last couple of years. So I, I don't know folks can just go to YouTube and watch it, but do you mind, you know, telling folks like, what was, like, what, what was your goals or mindsets going into your first Arizona hunts? Oh man. I mean, goal is always to, uh, have a good time and see some new country and hopefully, you know, stick an animal with an arrow. Um, but, uh, I mean, with that particular, uh, chunk of content, what we really want to do, I think I wanted to tell the story of the sky islands, which is a very unique landscape. I think the desert in general is underappreciated by people. I, I am, uh, you know, I live in Boise. A lot of people don't realize that Boise is not, is a, is part of the, it's right on the edge of the desert. So if you go south from town, we're 2,800 feet in elevation at the base of the Rockies, but it's desert country. I love the desert. Our desert is different than Arizona's desert, but the desert is It's a thriving ecosystem and environment in many ways. And I just, I do not think most people understand that. It also is, most people have this, I think this preconceived notion, uh, again, people that don't know the desert. So this is people outside of Arizona, um, <laughs> is what I'm referring to. I think they oftentimes think of the desert is just this like place that is devoid of wildlife and, uh, life in general, but anybody that spent time in the desert, um, especially down in Arizona and Southern Arizona, you know, it can be a very vibrant wildlife community and there's a lot going on and the connectivity of these like different sky islands was just always fascinated me. Um, I read about it, you know, I read about the Jaguar, um, the Jaguars coming up from Mexico, kind of repopulating some of their former habitat. I read about uh, Macho B the uh, sort of famous, infamous jaguar that yeah. was, uh, I think it was treed by, uh, by a houndsman, caught on a couple game cameras. So all that kind of made me want to tell the story. But I'm also, you know, I've never um, heard a lot about coos deer, but I've never bow hunted them. And so I, just, I wanted to come down and just like, just I love hunting still. So <laughs> and I like hunting new animals in new places because I, I feel like that's part of what makes you uh, makes you a really well-rounded skill hunter is not going to the same place and hunting the same animals, but going to brand new places that you've never been to before with new species and trying to make it happen. Yep. Um, so that was kind of the, the thinking behind it. No, that's pretty awesome. So what was, uh, well, well I don't want to ask that question. I don't want to spoil the videos that you guys did because they are pretty awesome videos. Um, uh, all right, you can, we can spoil. We can we can we can spoil them. Well, I was <laughs> just gonna I was just gonna ask you, that. um, like what was I want to hear out of your mouth? Before, like I don't want to be saying stuff all the time, but um, like so, how did how do I want to phrase this next question? This isn't, isn't what I had in my notes. Um, how did you go about learning to hunt down here? I mean, I, I mean, I know you had Josh kind of here with you too but were you doing a lot of like e-scouting were you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean in fact in fact josh i mean the, the place we hunted in that film josh had never hunted and neither of oh, okay. been there. um so it was you know um you know josh josh is a is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to arizona but the first place we went to was actually a spot that i had picked out um so yeah i looked at harvest statistics same thing I do everywhere else. I just dive into the data. 
I look at harvest stats, um, hunter numbers over the last, like typically I'll look at like three last three years or so. And then I look for places that there aren't motorized access, there isn't any motorized access to, and then try and figure out um, what look like some good places to, to hunt. I'll tell you one of the things that's interesting about Arizona that I had to, that I would not have assumed was that your mule deer are typically down low and your coos deer up higher. Yeah. Um, every other state I've hunted mule deer in, it's the opposite. Mule deer, <laughs> well, not opposite, but mule deer up high and any whitetail species are down low. Um, and in Arizona, it's, it's, you're just, you're flipped. So um, that was, that was something that uh, Josh told me early on, but I had to like learn for myself. I was like, really? Why wouldn't there be mule deer up there? It's, it's like great mule deer habitat. He's like, man, they're going to be, they're going to be down low. And um, so, yeah, it was a, I would say it was a joint venture on that trip for sure. Um, and one of the, the second spot we ended up going to was, uh, was a place that Josh had picked out. The first spot we had picked out, it was really cool country, but just like low deer densities. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just didn't see a whole lot of deer there. Hey everybody, hopefully you are enjoying this conversation between Brad and I. Um, hopefully I didn't interrupt us in too bad a spot. But uh, for the folks that heard last week's episode, if you made it this, I can do it again. If you've made it this far, I deeply appreciate that you've gone this far. Uh, and what we're going to do is either DM me on Instagram at Jess underscore Warner underscore photo or email me at jessejwarner at gmail.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-J-W-A-R-N-E-R at gmail.com. And put right in the subject line, uh, sticker or podcast, or just make it something relevant. I'm not doing anything official with it. But everybody that does so, I am going to send you an Arizona Afield decal. It's a little 3 by 3 um, just just to show our appreciation for supporting the podcast. Um, I don't make any money on this in any way. So uh, just want to say a thank you for sticking around. Hopefully everybody's enjoying it. Um, and then, too, that's a great way to get a hold of me if you have any ideas, if you have anything you think we should be talking about. If, you, if we're saying anything you don't think we should be talking about, let us know. We want to hear from you. So with that, I am going to let you get back to the conversation. So... I guess what I should ask next is what was your biggest takeaway from like hunting in Arizona versus, cause like you said, like I know you just mentioned the mule deer. Um, but apart from the, like the mule deer, whitetail flip flop, that's always going on. Um, was there anything that you took away from Arizona that, you know, will help you in the future, help you in other hunts or was there anything you're like, I oh, never want to do this again. Know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, when I, when I'm bow hunting, especially, I look for one of the key things that I look for is stockable, stockable country. So to me, again, especially with the bow, I'm looking for places that have animals and I think I'm going to have opportunities, but also really importantly, places that I actually have a fighting chance of sneaking in on an animal. Yeah. So there are a lot of places that I uh, knew had very high deer densities in the state, but that I wasn't going to, you know, you can see them all day long, but if they disappear into Manzanita Forest, it doesn't mean a damn thing. Right. So I don't know how I'm going to find them once I try and snuck in on them. So the thing I was looking for was that sort of that right mix of like animal populations, stockable terrain, and then uh, and 
And that was, I think, the thing I learned the hardest the first year is I, I, I ended up uh, having a, a equipment malfunction. And I don't know if you can really tell that in the content series, but um, like, spoiler alert, I missed a giant ass Coos buck. Um, and my rest, my, my drop away rest um, d- didn't work. I got some like sand in the sand in it. And my, my arrow smacked my rest on, on the way out. Um, but for the most part, we would see deer um, on this, on these like south faces, but the north faces were, were just thick, 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 thick with manzanita. And, you know, the only opportunity to hunt those things was to ambush them in the mornings or in the evenings. There wasn't any like stalking in once they got into the vegetation because it was just too damn thick. And so that was um, just figuring out, like, is this a spot and stock? You know, am I, am I going to be like bedding this animal and trying to sneak in on it? Or is this like an ambush type hunting situation? And for coos, I, I typically, when I'm hunting mule deer um, with my bow, I typically am not doing ambush hunting, um, but hunting coos in the rut is actually very similar for me for hunting mule deer in the rut. And you are oftentimes just ambush hunting mule deer. Um, anyway, wherever I'm, you know, wherever I've hunted mule deer with a bow during the rut, um, they don't bed down for very long. No. And so you don't have the opportunity to like bed them and then get position. You just try to work in and get close, get the wind right and be patient and wait for that opportunity. And it was no different with coos deer. It's a, you know, obviously the, the biggest difference with coos deer is that they're just, they're so damn small that they just, they're just hard to, hard to find. And, you know, there's so many times where it's like, at first when I was in Arizona, it was like, I'd see a deer. My first instinct when I see a buck is not like, let me run over there and get on top of that thing. I'm usually like, let me just see what this thing's doing and see if I can put a game plan together. And hunting with Josh, Josh, you know, he was like, we'd see a buck and he'd be like, all right, I'm going to run over there. And, you know, I'm like, what are you, you know, what are you doing, man? Like, that's reckless. <laughs> and over time, though, I come to, came to understand, like, that's exactly what you should, <laughs> the right thing to do. Because it's like, you just, you've got to get in a lot closer so you can keep tabs on that deer. And doing it from afar is just, uh, it's hard. Um, and at least if you get over there and you're close, even if they go into a, a brush patch where you can't see them, you can be in position to kind of move as soon as they come out of it. So, yeah, a lot of learning, learning, a little bit of a learning curve. And I will say that like hunting coos deer, that is, uh, especially with a, with a bow, like that is the most difficult spot stock animal that I've hunted. They're, uh, they're, they're pretty uh, admirable uh, species to try and hunt with a bow. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's, it's almost kind of funny because I think the term gray ghost has been used to the point where it's, it's pretty much turned into a cliche, but yeah. they, they earned the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, get yeah. the little silvery coats. And I mean, and like, like you said, they're, they're not very big. I mean, uh, I've seen quite a few guys, you know, just tie the legs together, throw them over their shoulder like a backpack and up the mountain they go. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't, everyone said they're hard, you know, a lot of people told me they're hard to find glassing wise. I, I didn't find that to be the case for me. Like I, I we, we, you know, um, but you know, seeing them was a lot different than, uh, sneaking in on them. And, you know, oftentimes too, the other problem we had was just like bumping other deer on the way to get to your coos buck. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that's yeah. got to do with what hunt you were on. Cause I mean, 
So yeah. find them in January. It's just I think it's a little bit. It's a lot easier because they they still have the silver in the coat and they shine. I mean, the buggers yep. get in the sun and they they shine like a prickly pear pad. Um, they do. And they move a lot more, you know, versus, you know, the guys that have that October rifle tag. Uh, you know, the bucks are down low. They're staying tight. Um, I think that's where they really earn their name. But then, you know, it's different. That's a totally different hunt. You know, it's it's picking apart, and you, but at least you have a rifle versus with your hunt. Like you said, it's they're not as hard to find just because they're on the move more, but you got a bow. And yeah. they're on the move. Yes. Yeah, it's and it's not a hunt, you know, like a like an East Coast or a Midwestern whitetail hunt where yeah, the bucks are moving, but he's gonna walk within twenty yards of you if you put your stand in the right spot. Um, yeah. I mean, the chances of that happening with a coos are they're not none, but they're kind of on the slim side. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know I know a lot some you know I have people I know who um, hunt over water holes down in Arizona, which I think yeah. is a very effective tactic. I just, I'm just not that. I hunt out of a blind uh, for like pronghorn yeah. up in the up a little bit farther north. Like I just, I find it incredibly boring, <laughs> even though it's very effective. So I would, I would rather take my chances. It on is, a yeah, sure. it is immensely boring. Just, I don't know. I've sat so long in a tree stand. I don't want to sit anymore. It's, yeah, yeah. I want to, yeah. If I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna be behind glass and. My tail's yeah. gonna be moving. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's incredibly boring. But um, so I know you said you got a meeting to get to, so we're gonna wrap this thing up quickly. Um, I guess my next question is: we were talking about this before we started. We hit record. Um, but what's next? What's coming up for Brad Brooks? What's coming up for Argali? That you can talk about, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mind chatting about it. We've got, you know, um, we're gonna keep doing, um, you know, filming content and telling stories about places that I find to be interesting. I've got uh, this this coming year. I'm, I'm uh, spending what six weeks in Alaska, um, doing a trip I call the uh, the Working Man's Triple Crown, trying to kill the uh, three ungulate species in Alaska that you can you can hunt without a guide. Um, kind of traveling around the state and sort of telling the story about uh, trying to hunt in Alaska on a on a DIY kind of budget. So you know, nice. black tail caribou and moose in three different places. Moose. Okay, I couldn't think of what the third one was. I didn't. I thought you, yeah. I didn't realize you could hunt moose without a guide. Yep. Yep. You can. Um, so, anyways, um, I'll be doing that. Um, we've got um, yeah, a lot of cool trips planned uh, in addition to that um so we'll be doing keep cranking on the content side um we also have on the product side we've got, i've got a lot of stuff in the works um, most of which i guys i definitely can't talk about just right. yet but um i think our you know our belt buckle has been received quite well and i think it's because it, there's nothing else like it and i want to keep we've got a, um, a number of products sort of in the works that are in line with that sort of uh i wouldn't call them new inventions but i'd say we're innovating um, a lot of existing products out there to either reduce weight, um, make them more functional for hunting or using new like materials to make them lighter and more effective and efficient for the hunting crowd. Um, so we're just, I'm just getting warmed up on the gear side. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so stay tuned for, for a lot more there probably coming out this, uh, this fall. No, that's pretty awesome. Definitely looking forward to, 
to checking those out. Um, so I guess where, how can folks find you or find Argali? Like, is what what are the pages they should be looking for? Yeah, I mean, all, I mean, obviously our website, argaliaoutdoors.com. Um, our you know Instagram seems to be where we spend most of our social media uh, presence, which is just uh, Argali official, um, or the the boring page, which is my personal one on Instagram is uh, just Brad A. Brooks. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. We have a newsletter if you want to stay up to date on on kind of what we've got coming out content and product wise, you can always um, sign up for that. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the, the best way to stay in touch with us. All right. Well, very cool. Well, with that, Brad, I think we're going to sign off. Like I said, I know you got a meeting to come up to. I don't want to make you late for that. Um, but I can't thank you enough for coming on and uh, and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jess. It's been fun. All right. We'll catch you later.